This is Sabina Mazo, and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. Welcome to the 42nd episode of MMA Wreckage Radio. We have an action-packed show for you guys today. We have two guests fighting on this weekend's UFC on ESPN Plus 16 card. Or sorry, 17. That is in Mexico City. The two guests we have are Steven Ocho Peterson and Kyle Nilsson. Uh, Steven Peterson is on the main card. Kyle Nilsson is right in the prelims. To headline the episode, we have Bellator's fast-rising bantamweight prospect, Cass Bell, stopping by to join us. As always, my main man, Wally Wall, is here with me. Wally Wall, how were the fights this weekend? Cowboy looked his age, and uh, Raging Al looked great. Yeah, uh, Cowboy didn't look very, very good this time. What did you think? What did you uh, think about I mean, honestly, I... I it's, let, let's not talk about Cowboy, okay? Cowboy looked like Cowboy should have looked because I feel like every time Cowboy has a really big opportunity in front of him, that's usually how Cowboy looks. Cowboy's a great fighter, uh, but when he gets up against these top, top-tier top guys, it's always the same song and dance. Justin Gaethje, though, looked phenomenal. Uh, I yeah. really want to see where Justin is going to go next. I really feel like the only fight for him at this point is, uh, like you and I were talking about off-air, is Conor McGregor or somehow, some way, a Tony Ferguson matchup. Yeah, but, you know, I I won't, like, as much as I'm a McGregor fan, I, like, I'm wearing a McGregor shorts right now, but as much as I'm a, a big fan of McGregor, Tony should fight for the belt. And, you know, so Gagey should fight against Conor. Gagey should make a lot of money because he deserves it because of the way he fights. So, you know, it's a win-win, I feel. No, definitely. Uh... Also, some other big names on this card. Todd Duffy had a controversial ending to his fight. They say there was an eye poke. Um, what did you think from that fight? So, well, uh, after watching the fight, like for me, Todd Duffy was looked good in the beginning of the round, but then he got caught with some Jeff Hughes big shots. But you know, there was an eye poke and. Like, I'm not a doctor, I wasn't in his place, so I can't tell you, you know, how bad was it, but I feel that, you know, Todd Duffy is a big guy, and, you know, if he now, did... Now, did, he did say that there was lacerations on the eye after he went to the doctors, um, so you, there was that off, out there. Yeah, but even, let's say that he, he didn't have that, that doesn't mean it wasn't, like, for... Those like twenty minutes wasn't like maybe he couldn't finish the fight. So I feel that you know we can't say anything about it because we don't know how it feels. Like sometimes with just dust in our eyes, we can't see shit for for a day. So you know. No, for sure. One thing I wanted to talk to you about this press conference that's actually going on uh, today. Which one? The Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz. Oh, it's going on today. Yeah, isn't it going on today? Thursday, correct? 
I think so. I don't know. Like you told me something I didn't know. I don't know if it's happening today or if it's going to happen today. But what are you? What do you think that's going to happen in this press conference? Do you think that we will have some trash talk or not? Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't think you. There's no way around there being any kind of trash talk. There's that. That's all it's gonna be. Is just straight those two going at it. It's gonna be great. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, actually, you're right. Like the press conference is like in. Uh, it will start like very very soon. Like. I mean that it will it will start like while we are recording this show right now. Yeah, definitely. I believe it's going on in about 20 minutes. Uh, well, hell, we might even pause it and just see what the hell's going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe. No, for sure. Uh, well, let's um, cut to a quick station identification, and then we are going to get into an interview with Stephen Ocho Peterson. And then Wally Wall and I will be back to break down UFC on ESPN plus 16. But uh, like I said, quick station identification. We'll be right back. This is UFC light heavyweight Mike Rodriguez. And go listen to MMA Wreckage Radio right now. Right, right now. Right now. All right, guys. At this time, I'd like to welcome back to the show Stephen Ocho Peterson. He's fighting this weekend at UFC on ESPN Plus 17 against Martin Bravo. How you doing today, Stephen? Man, I'm doing great, man. And just enjoying Mexico City. Uh, everything they got to offer. It's a great city, great state, or great country. And uh, I'm just loving the the journey, man. Well, what of Mexico City have you been able to enjoy so far during fight week? Well, uh, last week, uh, so I came out about uh, 10 days early and uh, just to enjoy training out here. A bunch of really, really tight spots, um, like underground spots and uh, uh, huge warehouse buildings and, uh, you know, different, different really cool, unique places to train. And then uh, we hiked up uh, Pico El de Aguilar. Uh, yeah, so that was really dope. Uh, that was definitely the, the best hike of my life. Um, super challenging and super rewarding once we got to the top. Now, you kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask you how many days you had got there before time. You already said 10. Uh, was getting there to prepare for the elevation something that you guys had planned on? Yeah. Um, you know, you hear all the fighters talk about how rough the elevation is and, you know, how it's a, a shock to your system that, you know, just different athletes having to deal with this. I figured I'd come out here and hit it up with before uh, the weight cut. You know, if I would have waited until this week and uh, came out on Tuesday, I'm already, you know, in the process of the weight cut. So having to deal with the, the altitude and getting acclimated on top of the weight cut, it just would have been hell for me. So, uh, you know, just trying, trying to make it easy on myself. Yeah, definitely. For those of you at home who don't really understand the whole elevation part, let's put it in a little bit of perspective. Denver is a mile-high city. Mexico City is 2,000 feet higher than Denver. So put that in a little bit of perspective. The altitude there is crazy. Um, obviously, as you said, other fighters have had trouble out there. Obviously, we've seen Cain Velasquez struggle when he went to defend his title out there. Uh, do you feel like cardio is going to be an issue on Saturday night? Not for me, man. Uh, cardio has never been an issue in my fights. And uh, that's one thing that, that you can control when you go into, into a fight. Um, obviously, you can't control the altitude, but you can control getting your body ready for it. Obviously, you know, I would have liked to come out here, but uh, 
you know, my, my camp's in Dallas, so I can't bring my whole team out here and, uh, you know, all that. So, uh, you know, I just brought a few training partners out here and, uh, you know, got some training ahead of time and I made it nicely and uh, cardio won't be an issue in the fight. You talked about, you know, your fight or camp out in Dallas. You're with Fusion Fight Team. Uh, tell me, what kind of guys did you guys have other at Fusion that kind of got you prepared for Martin Brando? So it's uh, Fortis MMA. Fortis um, MMA. Fortis. I don't know why I said Fusion. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking nah, right at it, too. That's the yeah. bad part about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're good. Uh, yeah, Fortis MMA. We're uh, a huge camp that was uh, – we just opened about two and a half years ago, going on three years, and uh, – you know, I was one of the founding members. Uh, coach Safe was our coach over at Octagon MMA. We had a big fight team over there. And, uh, you know, we just decided, or he decided to uh, to get his own place. And uh, he opened up Fortis MMA. And, uh, you know, we, we built it from the ground up. We, we put the mats in and, uh, you know, the team, we, we put in the work. And uh, when we started, there was like, you know, pretty much not, there was like one or two fighters in the UFC. Now we got like 12 fighters in the UFC and uh, all these big names are taking notice and uh, and coming to training with us. We got uh, Eric Anders doing his camp with us. Uh, Uriah Hall just did his camp with us for his fight in Vancouver. Uh, Miles Johns just made his uh, UFC debut in Vancouver. Uh, so a lot, a lot of great fighters coming out of this camp and, uh, you know, a lot more to come. Yeah, definitely. You talked about the guys that are in the U.S. You guys have talent that are in the Anderson and then starting off their professional career right now also. Yeah, I mean, there's that, there's 30, 40-plus pros in, in the in the gym, and uh, all of them are a problem. I mean, like, um, they're, they're training with us and doing rounds with us before they even have any pro fights. So when these guys go pro, they're already, you know, well-seasoned, uh, and, uh, you know, they got the skills – they just got to go out there and get the experience and, you know, you know, put in the rounds. Now, your last fight was against Alex Caceres. You came up on the losing end of it. How do you feel about that loss? Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like it was a loss. Uh, you know, in my mind, um, I was confident I won that fight. You know, look at uh, the statistics um, on paper. Uh, they, they did change some of the numbers coming in. Uh, I, I've, I have a, a screenshot of of the uh, statistics and then you go on the UFC website and the statistics have changed. Um, they took away one of my submission attempts. They took away a takedown. It's like, well, watch the tape. The takedown was there. I don't know how you, uh, how you change that on paper and, uh, you know, try and justify a decision. But, uh, regardless, um, you know, in my mind, that was a win. Um, Alex knows that, uh, if that would have been a fight to the death, he wouldn't have walked away. Yeah, you and your team have been very vocal about that. Um, there was a couple of times where you almost had Alex Caceres out in that fight. Uh, is there something that you have brought to this game plan, kind of like a killer instinct to make sure you finish Martin Bravo this time? Yeah, I'm just going to fight really tactically. I'm going to set him up, and I'm going to put him down. I'm going to take him out. Um, you know, fighting in Mexico City, I don't want to go to the judges. I never want to go to the judges, but especially fighting, uh, you know, in hostile territory. So, you know, I plan on going out there. Um, laying my traps and, and catching them. Now, obviously, the crowd, like you said, is going to be against you. How have you guys prepared for that? That's that's kind of my uh, my forte. That's that's what's made me. Um, I started fighting. I was like uh, the kid that came out up out of nowhere. Nobody knew who I was, um, and they booed me walking out. And then 
you know, win a couple fights, everybody flops like that, and now everybody's chanting your name. So, uh, you know, uh, I feel like I thrive when uh, when one crowd is against me, and uh, no, I don't, I don't care if I cheers for me or against me, either way. Um, but when I feel like my back's up against the wall, that's when I come out swinging. And uh, I also thrive when the other fighters trying to take me out when I'm in danger. Um, and I think Martin Bravo is going to do just that. He's going to go in there. He's going to try to take me out. He's not going to run from me. He's not going to try to, you know, pit that and, you know, outpoint me. I feel like he's going to try and go in there and take me out. And that's when that Cena Peterson comes out, and that's when that killer instinct comes out. And I go in there and I take out my opponent. You kind of answered my next question a little bit already. What do you expect from Martin Bravo on Saturday? Yeah, I, I mean, he, he's – He's a game fighter. You know, he's going to bite down his mouthpiece. He's a Mexican fighter. Those guys like to, you know, throw for the fences, and they like to bang. Hard so, warrior. Yeah, exactly. And and I respect that, and that's that's what I want when I go in the cage. I want that guy to try to take me. That's going to bring out the best me, and, uh, you know, that that will make me rise to the occasion, and uh, I don't let nobody take me out. And how do you see this fight playing out on Saturday night? Uh, I'm not going to make any predictions except for a finish. You know, I'm going to come I'm not going to say when. Um, could be early, could be late. I'm going to lay traps in the first, and uh, whenever he falls into him, then, uh, you know, I'll take take advantage, and I'll take him out. I'm, gonna, I'm going to get a finish. Now, uh, I know you've been doing that months, but what are you doing on downtime, man? There's no downtime. Yeah, fight, fight, fight. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy fighting, um, especially coming off a loss. I want to, you know, get that bad taste out of my mouth. I'm going to jump right back in there. Um, you know, uh, I'm in the process of moving my business. I'm in the pro- I just moved uh, my my living uh, situation, so I just moved out to be a lot closer to my gym. So I don't have to commute three hours a day. Now I'm a uh, you know basically walking distance from the gym. So uh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So just staying busy and uh, you know trying to uh, put my priorities in in line and get everything in order. How's it been for this camp? Weights on point. Um, yeah, coming right out of the last camp, I never gained any weight. Uh, right back in the gym, you know, I, I went on that week-long vacation. And then, uh, you know, even on vacation, every day I was going on runs. You know, I, I couldn't stay stay still. I wanted to stay busy. And that, as soon as I got home, jumped right back in the gym, right back in camp. And you know, here we are. Definitely. How important do you feel like it is to stay ready? Uh, it's it's vital. Um, you should always be ready because uh, you never know when that, that call is going to come. And, uh I'm not the one to say no. So, uh, you know, I'm always going to be ready. How did this fight materialize? Uh, shoot. As soon as I got back from vacation, coach called me. He said, uh, and, uh, they said Mexico City. And I said, let's do it. Excellent, man. Well, I don't want to take any more of your time, but I do want to give you a quick opportunity before I let you go to give a shout out to your sponsors or training partners, anyone that's helped you out along your MMA journey. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to all my sponsors: Knuckle Up Tattoo, Fit Meals Prep, Solace Saunas, um, Hutchins Barbecue, Fight Fit Lifestyle. And a shout out to my camp for this MMA, my partners, uh, Miles Johns, uh, Fernie Garcia, Damon Jackson, uh, my little brother Aaron Peterson, who's out here in Mexico City with me. Uh, Fernie came out, and then uh, two of my coaches, Tony Mack and David Bernalino, for coming out here to Mexico City with me. And where can the fans find you on social media? You can me on Instagram and Twitter at 8 and Facebook.com slash Ocho Nation. There you guys hear it. Steven Ocho Peterson is taking on Martin Bravo this weekend on UFC on ESPN Plus 17. I believe it's the main card, correct? 
Yeah, first title main card. There you go, starting the main card off right. Can't wait, brother. Can't wait to have you back on again, and good luck to you and your performance. Yeah, I appreciate you. Appreciate your time, man. All right, man. All right, you too. This is Diego Lima, and you're watching MMA Records Radio. And welcome to MMA Records Radio's UFC on ESPN Plus 16 recap portion. We are going to be talking about the great main event that was Justin Gaethje versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. We're going to talk about the controversial Todd Duffy and Jeff Hughes fight. We're going to talk about the miraculous Tristan Conley coming in a couple days notice and being the biggest underdog on the card and still scoring a great victory. But first, we're going to talk about Austin Hubbard taking a unanimous decision victory over Kyle Propoluk. Uh, what did you think of the performance between the two gentlemen? So, like, I think that's, well, that was a great way to start the show. I think that was a good matchup between them. And I'm looking forward for the next fight of Austin. Yeah, he trains in Colorado with uh, big, big heavyweights like uh, Curtis Blaze. So, really interested to see where he goes from here. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, Luis Smoka looked amazing. It only took him four minutes and 43 seconds to land a very nice left hook combination to take out Ryan McDonald in the first round. What did you think of Smoka's performance? I, I, want, I just want to point out that why in the hell Smoka was cut from the UFC at some point? Because he always had the level, but did you feel that it was good for him that he got caught or... I think it might have lit a fire under him to realize he's, yeah. he's got to be in here and just can't take it for granted anymore. So because his his UFC record before he got cut out was five loss four losses on a row, but again again big names like Moreno, Ryan Borg, Ray Borga, sorry Tim Elliott. So those are fighters that you can lose to them and don't get cut. So. Well, Matthias I don't know, Nicholas, but, too, at, at one point was looking at it like he was going to be a, a very, very big, big person in this division. Like you said, Brandon Moreno, uh, there are some big names that he's lost to, but once he got cut from the UFC, I think it was during the whole situation of are we going to keep the flyweights around or not? I think that's when he got cut. And then he went on a three-fight win streak, found himself back in the UFC, and he's <clears throat> out of his three fights that he's been in the UFC, he's won two of three. His only loss is to Matt Schnell, like you mentioned earlier, and that was in a triangle choke. That was a beautiful performance by Matt Schnell. There's not really smoke, much smoke could have done, but outside of that performance against Schnell, he's looked phenomenal since his return to the UFC. Yeah, he, he did, and you know, I think that uh, he is great fighter. I think he's that great of a fighter. He was great at flyweight. Now he's great at bantamweight. So, you know, he's a talented fighter. And I think that we need more talented fighters like him in the UFC. Listen, there's a flyweight out in Titan FC that I just, I, I don't understand why he's not in the UFC yet. Juan Puerta, you guys need to keep your eye on him. He should be in the UFC very soon, especially with this expansion of the flyweight division happening in, right before our eyes. Yeah. Has Skelly had a great unanimous decision victory over Jordan Griffin. It was a back and forth fight. Uh, what did you think of Chaz Skelly's performance? And then what did you think of the scrambles that him and Jay Jordan got into? I feel like Chaz Skelly like deserved the, the win. I feel that it wasn't like 
a weird unanimous decision like sometimes we get from them, but I feel that it was a clear unanimous decision. And I feel that it was a, gr a great performance by him. What did you feel about his performance? I feel like he needed that one. Uh, he lost two in a row right before that. This was yeah. his first fight that he's won since 2017. So, I mean, it was definitely something that he needed just to keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. Now, Hunter Azur took out a guy who I've been very high on, Brad Katana. Now, Brad Katana won the Ultimate Fighter, and it looked very impressive, but Hunter Azur looked even better. He had a unanimous decision victory over Brad Katana, and I would say it was very one-sided. Yeah, he, he's a mean guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have to say that. Like, when you see him, he's a mean guy. Like He doesn't mess around, and his MMA record right now is perfect. He's Eight, eight win zero losses so I feel that you know think that he can be uh, very dangerous in this featherweight division what do you think he could potentially see next in the featherweight division oh I don't know I don't know if it's uh, too early to talk about you know kind of a big names in this division because oh. in both of his UFC viewings I would say well, we're going to say viewings because you can't really you can send her series is that a UFC debut I wouldn't call that a UFC fight, right? No. Okay, no. so his two UFC viewings, he's looked dominant in both of them. He looked very dominant against Chris Ochon. Uh, he's yeah. looked dominant against Brad Katana. And, I mean, Brad Katana was a guy who we were all looking at could very easily one day take on somebody who was at the top of that 45-pound division once Max Holloway steps away. Yeah, but you know that... Be, he he's a, a decision guy, so a lot of his wins are decision. So those guys, you know that they climb the ladder slow, slower than guys that won by by KOs and submissions. So I don't think that he will climb the ladder very quick, and maybe it's good for him because he's still young. He's still twenty seven years old. No, definitely. One fight that I had circled for sure was Miles Johns versus Cole Smith. It was a split decision victory for Miles Johns. What did you see? How did you see that fight playing? Like, did you think that it was a unanimous decision? Did you think it was a split decision? Did you give it to John? Did you give it to Cole? I talked to some people who gave it to Cole Smith. Yeah, like, I see their point of view, but I feel that Jones for me won. Like, for me, splits or unanimous doesn't make a really big difference because at the end of the day, there's a winner, there's a loser. So, for me, it was Mike Jones. He won by decision. Was it a split? Was it a unanimous? Like, who cares? At the end of the day, it's a, it's a decision win. What do you think? Definitely. Uh, I think let's just stop letting that shit go to the decisions. <laughs> yeah. Now, moving forward throughout the card, Augusta Sakai took out Marcin Tabor with a beautiful knockout. 49 seconds into the first round it was a very impressive knockout i mean i feel like every single time we've seen Tabor go in there he's getting finished kind of emphatically yeah and you know what a great performance by sakai like we, we have to say that he he looked good he looked very good and he got to finish like very early in the fight so yeah, so, you know, those heavyweights, dude, I always say that, you know, they get finishes, like, very, very quick. 
Like we have a lot of knockouts in before the even the first minutes. No, definitely. I mean, but I, I really think that he put a lot of the heavyweights on notice, and uh, Sakai is here to stay, man. Yeah, but what about uh, Marcin Tibura? Because before that one, like he only lost to Fabrizio Verdum and Derek Lewis. You know, big names. I don't think yeah, you can cut Tibura. I mean, what his body of work that he's put together so far. He, like you said, he's only lost to big names. Outside of that, he's looked yeah. very good against other guys. Yeah, maybe he got some big fights like too early. Do you feel that? I, I just feel like. The heavyweight division at one point was very shallow, so there wasn't really a whole lot of other opponents out there for him. It was either fight the guys we know you're going to beat the hell out of, or you fight the guys we're, we're going to have a challenge. And they decided to go for the challenge. Yeah. Like, yeah, I see would you Would you be more respectful of him if he decided to pad his record? Like, what do you mean? Like, have like a if more he decided easy to fight? fight? Yeah, if he decided to fight a bunch of easy guys. Listen, uh, at some point, maybe you need that in your career, you know, to build your uh, to build your fighting style. But, you know, at this point, I think that it's uh, too late. Do you think that Sakir has definitely deserved a top 10 opponent after this? Oh, I would not say definitely, but I would say yeah, he need that he need that big fights. I feel because you know he won his last four. He's in a, he lost. He won his last five fights. So yeah, he needs a big fight right now just to see him. Is he like worthy or not? Now, one of the most impressive performances of Saturday night was Misha Serkinov's Peruvian necktie that he applied on the once undefeated Jimmy Crew. Uh, Misha looked amazing. It was definitely something that he needed. He needed that victory. He lost two in a row. He got knocked out emphatically by Johnny Walker last time he fought. So uh, it was definitely something he needed. It was coming off of a very hot prospect in Jimmy Crew too. Misha Serkinov looked very good and showed that he is here to stay in this 205-pound division. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a place in the ranking for Misha in the light heavyweight division. But, you know, let's see the list of names that he lost to. He lost to Volkan Ozdemir, Glover Teixeira, and Johnny Walker. Those three are... Well, two of them all fought like for, against DC and the other one I think that he's going to fight against John Jones very soon so you yeah, know. definitely I mean Johnny Walker could be very well the next light heavyweight champion easily yeah yeah I mean easily. He, if you look at his a his body of work what he's done to everybody look at just his frame He's got the perfect frame for John Jones. He's long just like him. He's very athletic like a very young John Jones was. I feel like it's a younger version of Jones. Yeah, I agree with you. But Misha, you know, it was a good win for him, getting that submission win early, in, like not early, but in the first round. So it's good for him. Big, Good W, a big W, I would say, because he needs that W in his, he needed that W right now. Now, a back-and-forth match. Uriah Hall and Antonio Carlos Jr. went back-and-forth in a split-decision victory for Uriah Hall. How did you see that fight playing out? Did you give the split-decision to Uriah Hall, or did you think Antonio Carlos Jr. did enough to get the victory? 
Like sometimes I feel that it's if when you go to a point striking fight like against a dude like Uriah Hall, I feel that you know it, it goes to the advantage to Uriah Hall because he's that good of a striker. But yeah, it was a close decision. I feel. But at the end of the day, like I said earlier, is it a split or unanimous? Like, you know, doesn't really matter at the end of the day. One of the fighters won and the other one lost. So I feel that Uriah Hall deserved that win. I feel I really feel that. No, definitely. I feel like he did enough in the first and second round, but Antonio Carlos Jr. definitely put it on him at the end of the second round and the whole third round. It was a great back-and-forth matchup, but I would love to see those two run it back again. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, one of the most surprising victories of the night, Tristan Connolly went and had a unanimous decision victory over Michel Pereira. He was the biggest underdog of the night. He also stepped in on, I believe, what, five, six days notice. Uh, as you see, Michel Pereira, he went highlight reel. He had plenty of highlights, and he wasn't even the victor that night. So imagine what he does when he actually gets the victory. Uh, one of my favorites, though, is... Have you seen the meme where uh, it shows the video of him doing like the backflip, running off the cage, and it's like when you don't know how to play the game and you just hit all the buttons? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> That's exactly I what I thought it was. I was like, holy shit. Like, I told everybody when he started, I was like, don't blink. It's going to be some fascinating shit you've never seen. You, you know what's crazy about this loss for Michel Pereira? Like, I feel that he won. He didn't lose because he, in – all the videos I saw on Instagram and you know everywhere on Facebook, like nobody talk say that he the man loses lost his fight. They are all people thought that he won. I think that a lot of people who didn't watch the fight think that he won that fight. Even yeah, though we I lost. Mean, if you just look based on the highlights, I mean, yeah, you you could easily make that assumption. Yeah, because people think that he he did some crazy shit level, you know, some Showtime kick level of shit. People re are really impressed by what he did. I was yeah. impressed by Tristan Conley. He got a beautiful unanimous decision victory. I feel like he just outworked Michelle Pereira throughout the second two rounds, or the second of the two, of the three last. Fuck, I can't speak. <laughs> he outworked him two of the last three rounds. Yeah, I agree with you. But it Michelle looked Pereira looked amazing after in the first round. You could tell yeah. though he just got very, very tired. Yeah, when you do some explosive stuff like that, of course you will get tired. Yeah, cardio is going to be an issue always when you're doing shit like that. I mean, when you're starting off the fight, you're doing backflips and showtime kicks for just no reason. I mean, you're going to get tired. Now the yeah. one we talked about this next fight a little bit in the intro, but we're going to talk about it a little more now. Todd Duffy and Jeff. Hughes ended in a eye accidental eye gouge. It ended in a no contact between the two guys. It was four minutes and three seconds into the first round. As you said, Todd Duffy was getting the better of Jeff Hughes in that first round. If the fight goes on, uh, if if we just scored it from there, I would say you give the fight to Todd Duffy. Correct? Yeah, I agree with you. Now, but, it is a heavyweight fight. Anything could happen. Jeff Hughes did hit him with some big shots uh, before the eye poke happened. Uh, I would love to see these two run it back, for sure. Yeah, just before the eye, the eye poke, like, Jeff really, like, I think that Todd Duffy got hurt, yeah, but Duffy not that hurt. much. Like, I feel that he was still standing. It was, you know, he wasn't wobbling. He wasn't going down, but, you know, the eye poke 
always like mess up some great fights and I feel that they need to find a solution when it comes to gloves. Yeah, maybe put like a little curve in the glove or something like that so you can't put your hands straight out. Uh, I mean, that's really the only option out there. Yeah, I agree. They they need to put something. I don't know. Like in some, in some podcasts, Joe Rogan said they are working on some shit, but he don't want to talk about it. Like it's confidential or some stuff. Or some stuff but I don't know. I feel that it should be a priority right now in the MMA world. Like in the UFC, in the MMA, like... No, we don't need eye pokes because eye pokes really like so many fights, so you many could really, really get fucked up. Like if you scratch something within your eye, like you could lose your sight. Yeah. Like, like we're so, talking, like we're not talking about getting punched by a glove, which is rounded, and you know it's gonna hit the whole outside of your eye. You're gonna most likely break your orbital bone first. We're talking about fingers, and then also fingernails going into your eye. I mean. There can yeah. be a very dangerous situation where we have a fighter lose his eyesight. Yeah. So you get first, you got eye poked, you can't see, so you can't see punches coming, and you get punched like right in the face or somewhere we don't think that you've got. So, you know, so many things that. So many negative stuff that needs. That they, they need really to, to do something about the gloves. Now, Glover Teixeira took on Nokila Korloff in the co-main event. Glover got the split decision victory. I thought it could have went either way. It was a back-and-forth fight. Uh, I thought Glover did look like the better fighter that night, though, uh, at all aspects of the game, on the feet, on the ground. He had a couple of good submission attempts that almost put Nokila out. Yeah. Glover... Is and it always will always will be one of the greatest light heavyweights, you know, that didn't win the fight, the title. I feel he's so good. He's so good when it comes to fighting guys that are not ranked like above him. He's so good. He's always do great performance. No, definitely. Uh, what do you think's next for Glover in the two hundred five pound division? Oh, I don't know. I feel that you know. If DC wants to retire, like in his next fight, I feel that it should be the I fight. I actually just read somewhere that Stipe and DC trilogy fight is in the works right now. Oh, I like that. I prefer that for sure. But you know, I believe the source was Dana himself. Okay, so Anthony Rumble Johnson is going is coming back to the UFC, right? Yes, and, but he he will be anyway. fighting anyway. Okay, so there's no chance for a rematch. Even though it doesn't make any sense to have that rematch, but Not you know, two hundred and five pounds at least. Yeah, if Johnny Walker, you want to give him a big fight before having him fight John Jones, Maybe this is the fight. Yeah, well, Corey Anderson's right there too, though, man. I mean, Corey Anderson is no slouch. If he gets through Corey Anderson, he's right up there. Yeah. Well, how how about the winner of that fight against Glover? I could see that. That'd be a good matchup for sure. Yeah. Let's give some time to John Jones to to rest and, you know, to wait and see. Maybe John Jones' next fight will be at heavyweight, you know, so we don't know. I think that John Jones was very active this couple of uh, couple of months, so if he needs to take a break and see what's he next for him. three times since the end of December? Ooh, I don't know, maybe three times? Yeah, he's fought uh, the end of December, March, and then July. Yeah, so he's been very, very active. 
Definitely. In the main event, Justin Gaethje showed us all why his nickname is the highlight with some beautiful hooks and then some very nicely timed uppercuts as Donald Cowboy Cerrone was keeling over on the ground. Justin Gaethje put the final touches on him four minutes and 18 seconds into the first round. It really showed us why he is the human highlight reel. Yeah, and I feel that Justin can do it all. Like, he can finish fights early. His wrestling is good. You know, he, have, he can go to war with you. Like, he can do it all. So, uh, Justin really deserves a big fight. And there's only, like, three names that he should fight. Like, it's either Habib or Tony or Connor. For me, there's no other guy that deserves to fight against Justin right now. Okay, I'm going to give you one name that's out of left field, but I think it's a phenomenal fight. Who? Paul Felder. Oh, yeah. About Paul Felder. Yeah, I agree with you. That's, this is a great fight against Paul Felder. I don't think that Paul yeah. Felder quite deserves the opportunity. I think that maybe he's one fight, you know, maybe take on a Dustin Poirier, something along those lines. But I, I, I really think Justin Gaethje versus Paul Felder would be a great matchup. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility because you know that what if Tony or what if the fight Tony Habib don't happen right now and you know Connor is not ready, got injured again. Because remember that Connor was like Aaron Hawani said it. Connor was supposed to fight Gaethje, yeah, before he broke his hand. So they should just, you know bring that fight back and you know and you know there's something to sell because Gagey talked sh shit about Connor when he said that he wants to fight Habib in Moscow like he tweeted something that you know that was one of the greatest tweets ever put it against the Connor I feel so yeah I think that's the fight to make this is the fight to make no, definitely. I think Justin Gagey deserves a step up in competition. What about Donald Cowboy Cerrone? I still think there's some fight left in Old Cowboy. I don't think it's time for him to hang up those gloves yet. Where do you see him next in this division? I do not want to see him fighting up a young gun. I do not want to see it. Yeah. What about the fight against Paul Felder? That would be cool. I, I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, I think that, you know, and right now at this stage of his career, I think Cowboy is looking for fights like that, fights that, you know, against strikers. Let me give you another fun. name. In the, they could do it either at 70 or 55. Anthony Ooh. Pettis. Yeah, we can have that. That would be a great fight. Totally. Oh. The, the fact yeah. that those two have never fought each other is kind of amazing. Yeah, I think Cowboy will fight everybody before, you know. But who knows? Maybe Dana wants to give Cowboy the fight against Connor. Maybe. You may never we'll know. See. Yeah. A because... lot of hype between a red panty night started with Cowboy and Connor. Yeah, and when when Cowboy fights against someone that he hates, like it's always bring the bring the best from Cowboy. It always does. Look what he so, did to our good friend Alexander Hernandez. Yeah, or Mike Perry. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so this is maybe the fight to make. Both of them are legends, I feel, Justin Gagey and Cowboy. So I wish all the best for them for the future. Because they gave us everything, like, in the cage. Definitely, man. I, and like I'm telling you, I think Gaethje's one big win away from a Kabina Magomedov showdown. 
Yeah, he is. And he said that he thinks that he has the tools to beat Khabib because he has that wrestling, he has that, you know, that cardio. So maybe, yeah. And he's a who grinder. Know? Yeah, who knows? Maybe. But that is for another day. Today is this day. And we are done with our recap of UFC on ESPN Plus 16. Can't wait to have this one back again. Uh, can't wait to see Justin Gaethje back in the octagon again. But until then, we're going to drop it to a quick station identification. And then Wally Wall and I will be back. Also, up next on MMA Wreckage Radio, we have an interview with UFC's Kyle Nelson. He's fighting this week against Marco Polo Reyes in Mexico City. So can't wait for that one. Stay tuned. You're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. This is Shaheen Santana, and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, guys. Joining me at this time is the UFC's Kyle the Monster Nelson. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing great, thanks. Now, Kyle is taking on Marco Polo Reyes this weekend on UFC on ESPN Plus 17 in Mexico City. Kyle, what's it like to go to take on a Mexican in Mexico City? Uh, you know, I was excited to come down to Mexico. Uh, this is my first time being here, so it's cool to uh, check out Mexico. But as far as uh, fighting polo in Mexico, I don't think it makes much of a difference. Uh, you know, once we're in the cage, it doesn't matter whether the cage is uh, in Mexico, Canada, or wherever. It's all going to be the same fight. Now, how do you see this fight playing out on Saturday night? Uh, I think he's going to come forward aggressive. You know, he likes to uh, to throw, you know, throw a lot of punches and be aggressive and stuff. And uh, you know, I think he's going to run into some power that he hasn't felt before. What do you think skill sets he brings to the octagon? Uh, I think his best skill set would probably be his boxing. Um, and then, you know, his, his aggressiveness and his relentlessness. Have you guys kind of game plan to neutralize that at all? Uh, yeah, I, mean, we've got, I think we've got the perfect game plan. I think it's going to uh, gonna work out really well for us. And I think it's going to, I think uh, Polo's going to kind of run right into it. Now, uh, how do you see this fight playing out between you guys on Saturday night? Uh, yes, yeah, so I think he's, you know, I think he's going to come forward like he always does. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, once I hit him, whether it's going to be in the first round or, or the third round, I think he's, uh, he's going to run into a shot that's going to put him away. Now you guys are both are on a two fight losing streak. Uh, is this say you guys are going to go in there and kind of leave it all out there? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of a do or die for both of us right now. Um, you know, you, you never know what the UFC, maybe, uh, if we put on a fight of the night performance, even though I beat them, they may still keep them around. But, uh, yeah, you have to assume after two losses, it's your last shot. Well, for you, I don't really think we could say that. The Diego Ferreira fight was on short notice, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I took that fight on, uh, like, three days' notice, I think it was. Yeah, so, I mean, taking it on three days' notice, you can't really take that against you. Uh, you lost in the second round. You looked very good in the first round of that fight. Yeah, yeah, and Diego's, Diego's done well since that fight, and, uh, you know, I think that's a fight that I could have won, uh, you know, if maybe I had a couple more days to prepare. Now, with these two losses in the books, Artie, uh, what have you learned from these? Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, as far as skills and, and um, technique and stuff, I think everything um, is great. I think I, I match up well with, uh, with anyone in the UFC. So I think it's more about, um, you know, the mentality and stuff and the game planning, and I think that's going to play a, a big factor in the fight. Your last fight, that was your first loss at 145, correct? 
Yeah, yeah. So I've uh, I have three losses now, but the first two were at uh, 155, and obviously the the my second loss was uh, to Diego Ferreira on uh, short notice. Now, are you more of a 145er? Is that going to be your home here in the UFC going forward? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I make 145 uh, pretty easy. Um, you know, unless uh, as I get older, it gets more difficult. But right now, it's super easy to make 145. So I plan on staying here. Now, Marco Polo Reyes is coming down from the lightweight division to the 145-pound division. Uh, do you expect him to maybe think that he's going to have an advantage over you because he, in his eyes, might be bigger? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think his reasoning behind coming down to 145 is assuming that, uh, you know, the opponents are going to be smaller, maybe not as powerful. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, he's got me. You know, I'm, I'm you know, five foot eleven. I carry a lot of power with me. You know, I think I, I hit just as hard as any 155 or if not any uh, 170 or so. I think it's going to be a big wake-up call for him. No, definitely. Uh, how do you – do you see him coming in aggressive on Saturday night? Yeah, yeah. I think he, uh, you know, he always likes to, to move forward. And, uh, you know, how aggressive he'll be, we'll see. But I know he likes to move forward and, and throw a lot of punches. So. Now I gotta ask you about the altitude. How is that going to be affecting you on Saturday? How long have you been in Mexico City? Uh, so I got to Mexico City on Monday, but uh, I had already prepared uh, back home with my sponsor, the Sport Lab. We we did uh, we prepared for the altitudes. We did a lot of altitude training, and uh, you know, as soon as I got here, I felt uh, you know I didn't I didn't notice any elevation or anything like that. So I don't think it's going to be a factor at all. And uh, you guys have been training down there. Where have you guys been training at? Uh, so we just have the, the UFC. Our hotel here has uh, like a room set up for us. So we've just been uh, training there. Okay, okay. And then your home gym is what? Your, Bulls so my home gym is, my home gym is uh, House of Champions. Okay, okay. And how did you find your way there? Um, so I started training at Muskoka Kickboxing, uh, near Huntsville, where I'm from. And then, uh, I turned pro, did a couple fights. And then I met, met, uh, Alin Halmagene, the head coach at, uh, I was the champions at one of my fights and got talking to him. He kind of invited me down and it's about a three hour drive from my house, but, uh, you know, I tried it out and, uh, you know, I've been going there ever since. It's been about, uh, eight years now. Safe to say you've enjoyed the ride so far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've had a lot of success. Definitely. Uh, is did you grow up wanting to fight? What, what kind of brought you into MMA? Yeah, yeah. You know, when I was uh, about four years old, I saw Rocky for the first time, and uh, you know, as soon as I saw that, I wanted to be a boxer. So, uh, but growing up in a small town, there wasn't really any boxing anywhere nearby. So it wasn't until I was about fourteen uh, that I really started to try and pursue it. And I found a kickboxing club that was uh, only about half hour away. And we did uh, kickboxing and jiu-jitsu. Uh, so I started doing that for a couple months. And then the first uh, season of The Ultimate came out. And then uh, that was the first time I'd seen or heard of mixed martial arts. And uh, I realized that's basically what I was doing anyways, because I was doing the jiu-jitsu and the kickboxing. So uh, I just kind of followed that. What, when did you take your first fight? How old were you? Um, so I had started training, uh, jujitsu for about two months before I did my first jujitsu tournament. Um, then I did, uh, you know, that and some little smokers and stuff for a couple of years. And when I was 18, I did my first, uh, amateur kickboxing fight. 
I uh, did a bunch of those for a year, and then I did my first amateur MMA fight when I was 19, and then I turned pro when I was 20. Yeah, you didn't have a very long amateur career, only three fights. Was that the plan going in there, just go ahead and get a couple of fights in, turn pro? Uh, so amateur fights, I, I went 9-1 uh, and one, uh, in amateur. So, I mean, some of them were in uh, the States, some were uh, out west in Canada, some were uh, in Quebec. So uh, I don't know. Some of them, some of them got reported, and some of them didn't. I guess. No, Dev. Tell me about those fights. You said you're how many? Nine and one. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, all the you know, there was it was cool. I got to travel a lot. You know, we fought basically once a month, um, and traveling down to the states, we used like the four ounce gloves, and it was basically pro MMA, just no elbows. Uh, then I fought in Quebec, where we used bigger like eight ounce gloves and shin pads and stuff. Um, I fought for uh, a title over in Quebec and uh, went to the decision. And, uh, you know, I thought I did fairly well. It sounded like the crowd thought I did well, but they ended up giving the, the title to the to the hometown guy. So that's how I got that one loss. But uh, otherwise, you know, I finished most of my uh, amateur fights with submissions or knockouts. Now, you have a notable victory over a gentleman who I just actually had on the show recently and who had a big knockout a couple of UFCs ago, Kamal Worthy. Is that something that you would like to run back in the UFC? Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, he, he came in at 155, I believe, uh, yes. in his UFC debut. So we'll see if he comes back down to 145. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've got a win over him already. And, uh, you know, if, uh, if the UFC wants to see that, then I'll fight him again. Definitely. Tell me, Kyle, what do you like outside of the octagon? What do you like to do? Uh, I mean, I just spend as much time with my family right now. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, training so much and traveling uh, since, well, I mean, before I got in the UFC, especially since I've been in the UFC, uh, training, uh, you know, a couple hours away from home, I rarely get to see uh, my family. So when I get the time, I try and spend as much time with them. Oh man, I, I completely understand that. I work on the road also, so like I'm gone every single week. I get three days with my family, but those three days we try to do as much as we can in those three days. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so before I let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to give a quick shout out to your sponsors, teammates, anyone that's really helped you along your MMA journey. Yeah, awesome. So uh, obviously check me out on social media. Uh, Facebook's Kyle the Monster Nelson. Instagram is the monster 705 underscore UFC on Twitter. It's the underscore underscore monster. And then I have to thank my coach, Alain Halmagene, Adrian Woolley, my cornerman, Chester Colson for coming out. Everyone at house of champions, um, back, uh, back home, Muskoka kickboxing, my original coach, Bill Quinn. Then my sponsors, we have Mustelaney's, the sport lab, sheath underwear, Muskoka Renos, cooler management bags, urban beard, Copperhead Distillery, Highlander Brew Co., and Sire Biosciences. Excellent, man. Well, good luck this weekend. Uh, like I said, Marco Polo Reyes. Uh, do, where's the car? Where's the fight on the card? Do you know? Um, I believe we're the second last prelim. Okay, perfect. So at the end of the prelims. All right, guys, there yeah. you have it this Saturday night on ESPN+. Plus. It is UFC on ESPN+, Plus 17. Kyle, good luck this weekend. Uh, we can't wait to see what's going on with you in your future. Awesome. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Have a good one. Hey, this is John Fitch, and you're watching MMA Wreckage Radio. 
Alright guys, back at it again one more time, but here we are, UFC on ESPN Plus 17, time to preview this weekend's card, headlined by Jeremy Stevens going into Mexico City, taking on the crowd favorite, Yair Rodriguez, I cannot wait for that matchup, Yair Rodriguez is one of those 145ers that you just want to watch and you can't get enough of his fights and you want to wait until the very bell is done because you never know what happens he'll hit you with a shot that you've never even seen before jeremy stevens well he's a guy that some of us just really don't know who the fuck he is what who the fuck is that guy he's a guy <laughs> that has the knockout power of the heavyweights although he's a featherweight who the fuck is that guy? This that was one of the greatest burn in the UFC history, I think. You know what I mean? Like and he's forever gonna be like known for that shit, unfortunately for Jeremy Stevens. Even though he's had some phenomenal knockouts. He broke the face of our good friend fucking uh God damn, I can't think right now. Joe Emmett. Yes, Josh Emmett. I don't know why his name completely mistaken me right now. But Sometimes when you first you forget. It's, it's, shit happens, you never know. <laughs> but you know, uh, Jeremy had one of the greatest comebacks when it comes to a burn. The picture he posted with uh, McGregor's mother. Oh, true, 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 true. That was some shit too, but you know. Yeah, but it wasn't like the McGregor one. The McGregor one was perfect. No, definitely. In the 155-pound division, Claudio Peleas takes on Marco Moreno to start the night off. How do you feel like this matchup is going to go between the two? Listen, I don't know how the fight's going to go, but I feel that it will be a decision because cars like that always start with the decision, you know? Well, because when I... We've only seen once in the octagon. He lost in a Kimura to Lando Venata. Can't really knock yeah. him for that. Lando Venata looks very good against a lot of people. Claudio, we've seen him, what, twice in the UFC? He's one and one. He lost to Martin Bravo, and he beat Felipe Silva. He's had a couple fights fall out, so uh, this is his very first fight in 2019. This is his second fight in almost four years. No. So he's not very active, but he has a better MMA record than Marcos. So I don't know what to say about that. I think that will be a good fight to start the show, but I feel that's going to I think that you could definitely say that Claudio is now probably, for the first time in his career, 100% healthy. Oh, so that's good for him. So that's good for him. Now, one of my favorites is always Betcha Kowea is taking on Sarjara Eubanks. And if for all you sick bastards that know why I like Betcha Kowea, it's because you follow this show and you're probably a sick <laughs> bastard just like I am. But anyways, can't wait to see her back in the octagon one more time. This time taking on... A woman who could have been the tough champion, could have been the very first 125-pound champion, but she had a hard time missing weight, so the UFC forced her to move to the 135-pound division. She's had one fight in that division. She lost to Aspen Ladd, a unanimous decision loss. Aspen Ladd, though, at that time looked very unstoppable up until she met uh, Mrs. Uh, 
I don't know. I forgot the name. Jermaine Durandome. Yeah, Jermaine Durandome. I'm not good with names today. It's off the fucking top yeah. of my head. I don't know. But why. do you think that you said that Beth, you are like you are excited that she is going to fight one more time. But do you think that's going to be one last time? Shh, okay, let's not talk about that. All right. All right. Talk about that. Okay, it's been a little bit of a bumpy road for Betcha Croea. She's lost four of her last five, but she beat Jessica I. Yeah. And and she beat the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler. So I mean, there that's got to be something right there. Yeah, because you know a lot of female didn't have the opportunity, like the ability to defeat her. But yeah, you know what I mean. So technically, she's NXT champion. So I mean that's that she she's technically yeah the NXT Women's Champion so there's she's got that going for her. Listen, but, the next fight, you know, I'm a huge Paul Craig fan. Paul Craig is the last minute man. I'm telling you what, that's one of those guys you cannot sleep on and like just ride it out for the past ten seconds because you never know what he's gonna throw on you. Yeah, he's but taking I, on. I, I, hold on, he's taking on Vinicius Moreira at the two hundred and five pound division. How do you see this fight playing out? Listen, I will go. I will root with Pro Craig. I feel that Pro Craig have you know all the ability to is to, to have all the tools to win this fight by by submission. I feel, but I have to ask you something. Like, how does it feel to hear someone that's his first language is English, but don't like you can't really understand what the fuck is he saying all the time. Like, how does it feel? I, I enjoy watching him fight, so I just completely don't even think about what he sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've had the opportunity to see him live fight once, and it was a back and forth fight with Tyson Pedro at UFC 209. Uh, it was a great performance for both of them, and uh, I just can't watch to continue to watch him fight. Yeah, but he's a great fighter. Like, he always have great fights, I feel. He doesn't have boring fights, and this is a good add-up to this uh, amazing card, I feel, because Dude, this card this is still, like, next really fight, underrated. This next fight right here is one that I have circled yeah. for sure. Because yeah. it could easily be fight of the night. Tyson Nam is taking on Sergio Pettis. And we all know what Sergio Pettis brings to the table. His brother and him obviously are out of Rufus Sports there in Milwaukee. But Tyson Nam, this is his very first fight in the UFC. So, I mean, let's just get the octagon jitters out right away. And we're going to be taking Is he a Muay Thai guy? Say it again. Is he a Muay Thai fighter? He is. He, yeah. he comes okay. out of Hawaii. He fights okay. out of Oregon. He's Hawaii's number one ranked pro flyweight. Oh. Oh, that's cool. But like do you what do you think that is the game plan for Sergio Perez to win this fight? What should he do? I would take uh, him to the ground. I wouldn't try to fight with... I would not keep this fight standing with Tyson. I think if Sergio keeps this fight standing against Tyson, he's going to get knocked out. Yeah, I agree with I you. I truly 100%. believe that. Yeah. You need to take the fight to the ground because you don't want to mess around with a guy like that. His wrestling is very good, Sergio's. And he's got submission skills. Yeah, and he trains with one of the best fighters in the UFC, so... Yeah. Well, all those guys down there at Rupert Support are just killers. All killers. When the, you know, the greatest killer of them who is CM Punk. Oh, exactly, man. You know what I mean? The best in the world. Yeah, he should be coaching him. 
No, for sure. But I'm definitely yeah. excited to see what Nam brings into the octagon. I can't wait for that one. Angela Hill is taking on Arion Carnalisi. I probably messed that one up. Sorry about that one. This is Arion's Ariana, Ariana, Ariani, Ariani. Yeah, that's why we got you here. Ariani yeah. this is her very first fight in the UFC. She had one fight lined up against Taliana Santos at UFC on ESPN Plus 14, but that fell through with Santos getting injured, and Angela Hill stepped in and decided that she'll take this fight on this date. Angela Hill has been back and forth in her UFC. It seems like every time she gets a big-name opponent, I'm just going to go down the list real quick, Ronda Marcos, Courtney Casey, Nina Ansaroff, and Jessica Andrade, she always ends up on the losing end of, of that fight. I don't know what we really are going to get next from her. I feel like she's kind of almost ran her course in the UFC. Oh, Angela, I you know what? I agree with you. Like, at this point, I feel that there's so much more talent the UFC should bring. In 115 pounds, yeah. yes. That's a very stacked women's division. Yeah, and I'm not talking shit about, you know, how Angela Hill is good. But, you know, her MMA, her MMA record is not doing her any favor. And I feel that she, got, she, had, she had so many losses in the UFC. I feel that, like, you remember how we talked about earlier in the show how uh, Louis Smolka went off and do, he had three or four fights outside of the UFC and it yeah, really propelled exactly. his confidence. Yeah. I feel like Angela Hill isn't done with the UFC, but I feel like she just needs to go away for a second, get that maybe not upper echelon type of opponent, but just get that confidence back, get a win streak going on and then come back and see what she could do in this women's strawweight division. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel that it could be really good for her career at this point. Now, the man we just had on the show earlier, Kyle Nelson, is taking on Marco Polo Reyes at 145-pound division. As we talked to Kyle earlier, we know he is on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, his very first fight was on short notice. Marco Polo Reyes, though, is also on a two-fight losing streak. Marco Polo Reyes is an Ultimate Fighter Latin America Season 2 uh, component. He lost in the second round of that tournament. After the tournament, he compiled three wins, but since then has lost three of four. So we shall see what this one brings. I really feel like it's, we are going to see the evolution of Kyle Nelson, and we're going to see that he does belong in the UFC, and that Marco Polo Reyes bit off a little too much that he could chew when he decided to drop down to the 145-pound division. Is Kyle Nelson fighting on uh, enemy territory? Yeah, well, Marco Polo Reyes is from Mexico. Kyle Nelson yeah. is a Canadian. So Mexico City, I mean, obviously, Kyle talked about him being there. He's been there for two weeks. So okay. the altitude and the elevation aren't going to play that much of a factor. He feels like he's already been acclimated to it. So we shall see how this fight turns out. Yeah, I think that will be a great fight. Uh, is it like uh, in the prelims or? Uh... It is the second to last fight of the prelims. Okay. So this next fight, uh, Jose Quinones taking on Carlos Hayachin. I messed that one up. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm. So, it's really tough to say his name. Carlos Hayachin. I don't know. Hayachin? Sorry, Carlos. <laughs> 
Yeah. That is the uh, main event. Main event for the ESPN Plus portion. This whole card is on ESPN Plus. This is the main event of that portion of the card. Like I said, Jose, Jose Quinones. I mean, dude's a beast. He's been scheduled to fight, uh, I believe, Sean O'Malley a couple times. He lost to Nathaniel Wood in his last fight, but before that, he had a four-fight winning streak in the UFC. And that's not easy to do. He's only lost once since joining the UFC. He was on season one of The Ultimate Fighter, and uh, I believe he got out of that tournament because of injury. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't remember very well, but I think that, you know, once you said that, I think that you, you're right. So, this is a good fight, I feel, because, you know, not just because it's the main event of the prelims, but I feel that can be, it can be, potentially be the fight of the night, maybe. Definitely. Uh, Carlos is, this is his second fight in the UFC. His last fight, he lost to Ryan e. Barcelos by uh, ground and pound loss in the second round. So hopefully looking to bounce back from that performance and to see what he could do this weekend. Uh, super excited to see those two throw down. You know they were placed on this portion of the card for a reason. These two are going to go in and scrap it out. But to start the main event and the main card, another MMA Wreckage Radio guest, Steven Ocho Peterson, takes on Martin Bravo in the 145-pound division. Super excited that that one. Ocho is another guy. He said he's been there for 10 days to get acclimated to the altitude. Um, as I heard said earlier in the show, Denver is a mile-high city. Mexico City is 2,000 feet higher than that. So put that in a little bit of perspective for you guys when we start talking about altitude. Cain Velasquez on sea level is unstoppable. Cain Velasquez with some altitude is a beatable man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it's like that, but, uh, you know, this is this proves how, you know, cardio is a uh, effect, you know, the affect people because you know there's a soccer team you know the national soccer team of bolivia bolivia is like a really high altitude country so every any team that comes for play against bolivia and bolivia believe me it's small soccer team like they're they not a big team but they never lose when in their uh, stadium they never never lose no, nah, I mean, once you get acclimated to that elevation, it's one different thing. Both of these gentlemen have lost their last fight to Alex Bruce, Lloyd Caceres. Um, let's see. Super excited for this one. Up next, though, we have Irene Aldana taking on Vanessa Mello. Irene Aldana has been in the UFC for a minute. This is Vanessa's very first UFC fight she is on a beautiful five-fight winning streak, looking amazing and unstoppable in every single one of those unanimous decision victories. I'm super excited to see what she can bring to the octagon. Irene Aldana is no joke, though. Um, she, I, I believe, isn't she the one who took out that mugger? Like someone tried to mug her for her phone, and she fucked him up. Oh, is she? I believe that was her. Oh, she I, lost to Raquel Pennington oh, yeah. in her last fight. We won't talk about her beating Betchakoy, okay? All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. But she's won three of her last four. Super excited. I really am excited to see Vanessa Mello, though. I really feel like this is somebody 
who could make a splash in the 135-pound division, the women's 135-pound division, that is. And we, we've really been waiting for somebody to come up and just really challenge Amanda Nunez because really for that 135-pound throne, I feel like we're going to get a carousel of the same women over and over again. Yeah, I agree with you. Like this, um, this division is really getting, you know, because at some point the division wasn't looking like anything, like it was messed up, but right now I think that division looked good. It's really starting to look good. Definitely. Askier Askrove is taking on Brendan Moreno in the 125-pound division. We were able to speak to Askier for a second over text. He said that he's been in Mexico City for 10 days and that he feels completely acclimated to the elements and he can't wait to get in there Saturday night and compete in front of Moreno's crowd. Yeah, so... But how how many days do you think you need to acclimate to a, to so, you know because Habib I would say fourteen like two I would months say at least two two good weeks. I think that's maybe it depends on you know uh, each body and how it, it does acclimate because you know Habib went to Abu Dhabi like early like way early one month even maybe more to acclimate to the hot. To the climate in uh, in Abu Dhabi, so I don't know if two weeks or ten days is enough. No, definitely the assassin baby though is another one of those flyweights that got cut and came back. He lost to Alexander Pantoja in the UFC, cut him as they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with the UFC flyweight division. As they decided to bring it back, they brought back Brandon Moreno, and here he is. Well, two fights from the main event. I mean, obviously they think highly of this kid, but Askir Askrov is a beast, completely undefeated, ten and zero Russian who is going in there to maul people. Yeah, those Russians, those undefeated Russians are very dangerous when they come to the UFC. Just ask expect Khabib. him to go in there and look for a submission and look to finish this fight. Yeah, this is a good fight, a great fight, I would say. No, definitely. Now, in the co-main event, Carla Esparza is taking on Alexa Grasso. Super excited for this one, man. I got Carla Esparza in this one, though. I feel like the cookie monster is here to stay. I feel like the 115-pound pound division, it would not be the same without her. Listen, Randall, like... I don't agree with you at all. I think that this is the night for Alexa Grasso fighting in his hometown. Like I feel that Grasso looked amazing against Carolina in his last fight, in her last fight, and I feel that she reached a whole new level. And I feel that she will win this fight like easily by decision, or maybe get a finish. Do you put anything into MMA math at all? Because if you ask me, I feel like Carla Esparza looked a lot better against Tatiana Suarez than Alexa Grasso did. Yeah, she did. But Alexa Grasso is very young. Don't forget that. And this is a pure striker against a pure grappler, I would say. But Carla is not like this wrestler that gets uh, takedowns by single leg or double leg, you know? She gets to the clinch, and then, you know, she. it would be tough for her to take Alexa Grasso down, I feel. So you have Grasso winning this fight. How is she going to win the fight? 
you know what? I would say by the maybe a TKO in the second round. I would say. Ooh, that'd be an interesting one. Oh, you know what? She's fighting in her hometown. I would say she will win the first round by TKO. I have a decision victory for Miss Carla Esparza. Oh. So, in the main event of UFC on ESPN Plus 17, which is also UFC Fight Night 159 for you guys keeping home, is... Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. Super excited about that one. I cannot wait to see Yair get back in the octagon. Every time we see him in there, it's a highlight reel. Jeremy Stevens, though, you never know what's going to happen. Do not blink because at any instant, he could put someone's lights out. Yeah. I feel that this fight is between a technical striker and one who doesn't care at all. He will just throw bombs at you. Jeremy Stevens very dangerous. I feel that Yair didn't fought uh, since his last fight against the, the Korean Zombie. It's been a while, right? Yes. Yeah, so, and Yair had a lot of drama with the UFC. He got caught, then he came back. Like, we had a lot of shit going on with Yair Rodriguez in the UFC, right? Yeah, and uh, Jeremy Stevens hasn't fought last since UFC 235. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. His last fight was Zabit? Yes. Okay. I thought that his last fight was Aldo. I don't no, know. No, that was before that. Yeah, that was before that. I, I, I forgot that was about five months before that. That was almost a year ago. That was over a year ago. Yeah. Don't know. I don't know why I remember that. But, yeah, I think that Yair have a slight, a slight advantage that he, because he's fighting in his hometown. And I feel that maybe... You know, but sometimes you get, you get pressure fighting uh, uh, in front of your family and stuff. But I don't know. This time, I feel that would be good for him. Do we have an official prediction for this fight? I would go with Yair. How is he going to finish this fight? I don't know if he will finish it, but I feel that he will win. Maybe, I would say, by decision in the fifth round. I you have it not going past three rounds. I could see it get ended. I honestly can see them finish each other in the second. I feel like the first is going to be a lot of a filling out process. We might even get like three or four or five punches. But the second yeah. round, they're going to go at each other. The problem is, you know, with Jeremy Stevens, one punch. It's all he needs. No, it's all he needs. One punch. Yeah, one punch will put your lights out for sure. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. That is our preview for UFC on ESPN Plus 17. Can't wait to have you guys back again. Up next, though, we have Cass Bell, Bellator's fast-rising bantamweight prospect. Can't wait to have him on. He was on our very first episode. So now that we have him on the 42nd, I'm super excited about that one. Uh, after that, Wally Wall's going to come back, and we're going to say goodbye to you guys for this week, and we will be back next. But we'll be with a quick little station identification. We'll have that nice cast bell interview for you guys here in a second. Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boy, Eric Anders, and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, guys, joining me at this time is actually a very special guest to this show. He was the very first guest on this very first episode. Now we're here on episode 42. Bellator's Cass Bell. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. So uh, you had a 
big win a couple weeks ago in San Jose, September 7th, against Isaiah Rocha, man. Huge triangle choke. It's just a beautiful, beautiful finish from you. It's like to keep the patterns keep it in the same. Finish, 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 finish. Is that kind of your game plan? Yeah, exactly. I like to finish all my fights. And it actually wasn't a triangle choke. It was a uh, guillotine choke. Oh. Or what I call a, uh, I, what I call is a uh, cassatine choke. Just because I'm, I'm my number one choke. I'm good at it. And once I get it, I know, you know, I'm, I know there's probably no way that someone's getting out of it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was, it's, you know, it's going good. Uh, yeah, my my last fight was the first round, my my first first round uh, finish in, you know, Bellator. And then all my other fights have been in the second round. But I definitely try, uh, that's my whole game, to go in there and finish the fight. Yeah, uh, you spoke to Scott Coker after the fights and they talked about your next fight will be on a main card. That it, it did get thrown out there that uh, I, I, I'm main card ready. Now, the only thing, though, is I'm trying to rush it and get another fight quickly because I you know I took no injuries. I finished the, the fight. I finished Isaiah, I think, 92 seconds it took. Yeah. Um, and so uh, so I'm, so I was telling my manager and them that, uh, hey, I want to get on the next card. You know, whatever card, if somebody gets hurt in L.A., I'm ready to fill in for that. If uh, somebody gets hurt on any of the cards, because they already have a couple cards filled up, uh, I'm ready to go. Um, so that's what we're trying to figure out. I think they want to get me on the main card in San Jose, um, which would be awesome. But so I don't know how it's going to work if I get if I fight somewhere else. I told them, you know, just give me another fight. I don't care if it's on the main card or undercard. Um, I just, I'm just ready to go. You know, I'm ready to fight again. Um, that's the main thing, you know. I love to fight, so I mean, ninety seconds wasn't really didn't really. Uh, it was awesome. It was fun, but it, I, you know, I like I like to fight. So, um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully they get me on the next card as soon as possible, um, and then we will see if it's going to be main card because they were planning on doing main card next fight, but because I'm trying to you know jump in it quickly, I might still be on the undercard for my next fight, and then probably San Jose main card. But who knows? Everything's still up in the air. We're still all talking. Everybody's talking about it. Um, it's just awesome that they're even talking about it already. You know, I, I was actually kind of surprised because I'm four and zero, but still, I mean, there's you know a lot of guys that you know have you know records, different kind of records and stuff, and they've been fighting forever. So I'm just surprised I was there. Yeah, I'm stoked that I can uh, maybe be on the main card soon. No, definitely. Uh, you've fought all four of your professional fights in San Jose at the SAP Center. Tell me, what has that been like for you to be so close to home? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, I mean, it's it's super awesome. It's uh, exciting. Um, it makes it, I mean, we drive. I mean, it's still like a six-hour, seven-hour drive. But for us in Humboldt County, I mean, it's nothing. That's, it's a regular drive for us. Um and, uh, and just being there, you know, I'm so comfortable there now. I know how it's going to be, how the whole event is, how big it's going to be. Like, it, it just makes it so much easier, less to stress about. And, and I know just how, you know, I know how it all runs. You know, it all runs smooth and stuff. Like, so it makes it so much easier, you know, fighting in San Jose. And I get to bring all my, you know, all the people that can make it. They all travel down, which is awesome. Um, so I'm stoked. Now, uh, you're a coach. You're a wrestling coach, right? Now, tell us a little bit about that. So, uh, so I I run a all year round wrestling program. Uh, I was actually the first one to actually do it here in Humboldt County. Um, we just didn't have it. Like uh, we like my kids are young; they're wrestling, and uh, 
and we have a uh, like we wrestle locally, but it's only three months out of the year that we're wrestling um, for the little guys. And then high school, you know, the high school kids are a little lucky; they get to wrestle the freestyle season, which is three months out of the year, and then they get to wrestle their high school season. So they get like you know, I don't know, five months of wrestling, kind of five months of wrestling season or something. But uh, with the little guys, there's nothing. And then we go travel and we'd get our butts kicked. So then uh, uh, my coach and I, John Thompson, we decided, hey, let's make a wrestling team, you know, and let's do it all year round. Let's travel and, and give these kids opportunities as, like, the kids down south. Because the kids down south, they have, you know, they get trained all year round. So it's a whole different type of competition. So um, so I decided, you know, we decided to, you know, open up the gym and have a wrestling team on there and, uh, and you know, do the coaching for that. And then also I have three months out of the year, too, I uh, – I run the Arcata uh, Bad Boys slash Bad Girl uh, freestyle team, and that's just a local tur- this a local thing. So it's all volunteer. I did it three months out of the year. We just get like uh, like uh, so you know kids sign up, and then we then I you know and then we train them, and then we have local tournaments like like Arcata. So I run the Arcata program. There's McKinleyville, Eureka, different cities have their own clubs, and so then we make uh, make tournaments every weekend. You know each one. So like Eureka will run their tournament. Um, and then all the kids go and wrestle there locally and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Youth wrestling is so big. Uh, you can tell, like, especially when you go into train other martial arts, if they have a wrestling base, that they're already so well advanced in that you, they're so used to being on the ground. Like, there's kids in my kids' jiu-jitsu class who take wrestling, and you see the ones that don't take wrestling. You can tell the difference in the way they move. The kids that take wrestling move way better. Exactly, exactly. Like, I, I'm a big believer with uh, wrestling. Like, I think everybody should do it. Um, at least try it, try it out and stuff, and 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 get their butts kicked and and kick some butt too at the same time. But uh, but yeah, no, I think wrestling is like if if anybody wants to do anything like you know in the mixed martial arts world, I believe you know wrestling is like one of the best starting points you know to start off on. Um, wrestling, you know, it's teaching you how to control someone, but you're not submitting them, but you're learning how to like fall, how your body works, how to move. You get I call it like the sixth sense. Spider, uh, spider sense that uh, you uh, you start developing like all these skills, and it's it's different because you're not trying to submit somebody. You're just trying to you know control someone and um, and have them do what you want them to do while they're also trying to attack you. But uh, so yeah, I definitely tell all my kids you know if you guys want to you know do Brazilian Jitsu or anything like that, I'd say start with wrestling first, start building your uh, foundation, and then start with all the other stuff. No, definitely. Uh, the green hair, man. Where did that whole come about? Uh, so my first fight, I was fighting at Cherry Heights. Uh, Cherry Heights is actually like, so I started training three weeks. Um, I met my coach Juan or John Thompson, and uh, and he got me in there. And I told him, hey, I, I'm training for a fight. I have a, a tough man competition. If you win, you keep going. And uh, and so he's like, all right, come on in. So I came on into the gym. And we started training. Three weeks later, I had the fight, jumped in there and fought. I won my first one, lost my second one. Um, and then, um, and then, but I decided, you know, the last minute, like, hey, we should do, I need to do something to stand out, to pop. I'm a kid with no, no tattoos. Um, I have, you know, nothing. I need something just to really, you know, catch everybody's eye. And, uh, and then also, it was my kid's favorite color, too. So my kids love the green. I actually like the green, and then also Humboldt County, where the land of the trees, redwood everywhere. Um, so I mean, it just it just stuck. I did it the first time, and then after that, I've done it every every fight. 
No, definitely. And you're slowly becoming a really big name in Bellator, especially in the 135-pound division. Uh, do you see yourself continue to climb up that division and maybe eventually get a title shot soon? Yes, I definitely. That's my goal. You know, that's definitely one of uh, that's on my bucket list. You know, be uh, be a world champion. Um, but yeah, that's the plan. You know, keep uh, fighting whoever they want me to fight and taking them out, and then um, hopefully when that time comes, they give me that you know the title shot. How many fights um, do you realistically think you are away from that title shot? I have no idea. I'm. I'm thinking if I could get ten and zero, I should be able to get the title fight pretty. You know, but I should be able to, you know, get be able to call it out and be like, "Hey, I'm ready for the title shot." Yeah. Hopefully, maybe like three, four more would be awesome. But I'm guessing, guarantee, if I if I keep winning and I become ten and zero, I think I get the. I should be able to get. I think I earned the shot. You know, I think I earned it respectfully. No, definitely. So I mean, it's safe to say by 2021, we could easily be seeing you as Bellator's world champion. That'd be awesome. Heck yeah. I like the sound of that too. No, definitely. <laughs> uh, you said that you are ready for anything, anytime, anywhere. Are there any names in particular you would like to fight next? If you do get an opportunity to wait till San Jose. Um, I mean, shoot. I mean, I'm down to fight whoever it is. I haven't really been, um, this, like for this fight, you know, I was, I was focused on, uh, Rocha. They, you know, they wanted me to fight him. Um, I haven't really been, up to, I've been just relaxing and training now, so I haven't really been watching anybody else at the 135 division. I know there's James Gallagher, um, and I know he needed a point, uh, opponent, but I think they already figured that out. Yeah. So I was I was down for that one, and I jumped on it as quick as I could, but they said they already had somebody lined up for it. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, like whoever, like it, it I don't, I don't care. It don't matter whatever is just going to get me to the top. I'm down to. You know, I'm down to test my skills and see where I land. Well, I'll be covering the L.A. event. So if it happens to be L.A., that would be awesome. If we can make that happen, someone call Scott Coker real quick and make it happen. Yep. That would be awesome. Yeah, I told him. I told him if anybody gets hurt, you know, that I'll jump in, um, you know, 35s or even 45s. I'm not a 45er. I'm more of a 35er. But, um, you know, I feel confident at 45 also. But I feel really confident at 35s. No, it's safe to say Bantamweight is your division to stay. You're going to be going forward in that division. Yep, yep. But I'm down to fight, you know, at 45-2 if I have to. I did a catch weight when I fought Peter at 140. Um, and, you know, but again, you know, 40, 45, I cut no weight really at all. I cut like five pounds. And then the 35 is when I actually, you know, I actually have to cut a little bit of weight. Uh, do you have like a diet that you stay on? Any, any kind of like nutrition plan? Yeah, so I don't stay on, um, I don't stay on a diet. I mean, like, I'm, like, I burn so many calories a day anyways. Yeah. I got the fast uh, metabolism burning. And, uh, and so, I mean, I, right now I can eat whatever. Right now I'm just eating, you know, everything and anything. <laughs> um, but, uh, when it's, yeah, when it starts getting close to my, and I eat super healthy. So I'm in, you know, I live in Humboldt County. Everything's organic. Everything's grass fed. I mean, it's already super healthy anyways. Where we live, we get, you know, I walk two minutes down the road from my house and I could be at the co-op or Wildberries. Um, and that's like an all, all organic food or store. And so, I mean, I already eat healthy anyways, but when uh, it starts, you know, getting close to fight time, I'm really buckling down. It's all about timing when I'm supposed to eat, when, you know, what I'm doing that day and it all gets calculated out and, uh, and, uh, you know, it, it comes down to a science that we get. Um, that we do on it. But yeah, so I do, I do eat a, you know, a certain amount. Once it gets down, you know, like a month out is when I'm really watching my diet because I gotta, you know, start losing the weight and, uh, you know, 
and be healthy enough and keep training hard. I know you just got done with the fight, but uh, have you got to do anything after the fight to kind of celebrate your win? Um, yes, actually, I guess, yeah. Uh, we went to the lake last weekend, so that oh, was nice. fun. Went uh, wakeboarding. I had a brand new board that I got this in the beginning of the summer and I only got to use it a couple times. <laughs> then I got the you know, call that I was going to be fighting again in San Jose. So uh, those two months of training, I couldn't couldn't do nothing, couldn't go out to the lake. But, so that was kind of a bummer. But now we're going back. So we went to the lake. That was fun. Um, you know, got a wakeboard, got my kids on the tube. They all had a blast. And then we might be going this weekend, too. We're just trying to decide. It's my girl's uh, birthday um, two days ago. So uh, we, you know, went out to dinner, had a couple drinks, and then that's all we, you know, that's all we were able to do. Um, so this weekend we're deciding if we're going back to the lake or if we're going to, you know, party it up a little bit. Well, for sure. Well, happy birthday, Miss Bell. So uh, you said you don't care anytime, anywhere. What about a destination? Is there anywhere you would like to go? I know that Bellator has talked about possibly going to France before the UFC gets there. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. I mean, anything overseas would be amazing. I've never – I've been on an airplane one time. And I was to uh, Vegas when I had a fight for the King of the Cage Amateur World title. And, uh, and so, I mean, I mean, I'd love to go wherever. You know, Hawaii would be awesome. I bet they're doing a Hawaii card here pretty soon. Um, so I wouldn't mind going to Hawaii. Never been there. Uh, France would be awesome, too. You know, any, I mean, anywhere. Anywhere. I mean, I love San Jose because all my people get to go there. But it would also be awesome to fight, you know, in a different, a different area. L.A., I'm really, I really wanted to fight in L.A. because I have a lot of people in L.A. I know I could, you know, bring so many people will go to L.A. also. Um, but, yeah, I mean, wherever I'm down, um, down just to get the experience, you know. Yeah, um, definitely. But, to be somewhere else, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. wherever they want, want to put me, I'm down. I guess, I mean, at this point, it would be, well, in your Bellator career, the unknown, you really haven't fought anywhere outside of San Jose at this point. Yep. Yep, my whole since my professional, you know, debut it was Bellator. So it was only spot that. All right, brother. Well, I don't want to keep you any longer. I know you're in your car uh, getting ready to do some more training. But I want to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to your sponsors, uh, teammates, anyone that's really helped you along your MMA journey. Yeah, all right, sweet. So, um, yeah, I mean, my main, you know, my gym, Institute of Combat, uh, my coach, John Thompson, he's been with me from the beginning since I started fighting six, seven years ago. Um, like I said, he was, you know, I jumped in the gym. He trained me for three weeks, and I went and fought. Um, he's been in my corner ever since. Um, I definitely got, you know, thank my uh, strength and conditioning gym, 21 grams gym. Um, they're awesome. We're all linked together. Um, and, uh, I mean, then also, you know, I got to thank Next Level. Um, that's where I get to do the cryo machine and the high-altitude training. Um, so they are great, and his whole family is awesome. And then I got to thank uh, Rhythmic Catalyst Group. I mean, that's my manager, Joe Canadora. Um, you know, he's, he, he said he's setting up all my fights, getting, you know, getting all the fights up and going, getting me in San Jose. You know, he's doing all the hard work, so that's awesome. Um, definitely a big thanks to him. I got to give a shout-out to my lady, Chelsea. Um, it's her birthday yesterday or two days ago. I'll say happy birthday to her anyways. But if it wasn't for her, you know, she, I've been with her for 14 years, almost 15 years now. I mean, we, you know, she's been with me from the very, very beginning, um, pretty much almost half my life. Um, so, I mean, I got to give her a big shout out. And then obviously my kids, 
uh, my whole wrestling team, the Institute, the uh, IOC uh, wrestling team, and then also my Arcada, my Arcada Bad Boys slash Bad Girls. Um, you know, they they keep me working, keep me working hard. Um, I love like they're all they're all down to work hard. They all want to train hard, and uh, and so you know keeps me keeps me working and pushing. Um, Got to definitely thank uh, Cherry Heights Casino. Uh, we're doing fights there too, so if you guys want to tune in October 12th, uh, we're gonna actually have our first set of fights there, which is awesome because it was like my where I first fought. That was my first time fighting there. I fought there like a handful of times, and now I get actually my coach and I get actually get a run and promote and uh, and you know bring you know bring back fights now. So the guys have opportunities. It's all gonna be amateurs. Do you but, have uh, any guys already lined up to fight? Yeah, yep, yep. We have a whole bunch of guys all lined up to fight. We're what still are some of the for, matchups? So we have, I, so on my team, I don't remember all the other guys' names, but on my team I have uh, Gabriel Smith. He's fighting. Israel Smith, his brother, is also fighting. I have uh, Journey Walker, who's also fighting. He's actually, actually, Journey Walker is actually 170. He's looking for a fighter right now. His fighter just uh, backed out. Um, and then we have uh, Val, who uh, it's going to be her first fight, but she's a beast. And then we have uh, Austin, who's also fighting. I think he's fighting at 205. I have my buddy uh, Josh Coleman, who's also fighting at 205. Um, he's there. Uh, he's coming back. He has a lot of knockouts. He made it on ESPN a long time ago, and, and uh, he he decided to come back and try to you know get back on the you know on the fight train. And uh, so he'll be fighting there. Um, I can't remember who else is going. And then we have a lot of other guys from Crescent City, um, some other local guys. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Um, so they're all fighting, and that's going to be October 12th at Cherry Heights Casino. Where can um, so people get tickets at? Uh, they can hit me up. They can hit me straight off Facebook. They can also go to cherryheightscasino.com and buy tickets straight from them. Um, but I recommend just, you can come straight to me, buy them straight off me, um, um, and then I, you know, set up set you guys up with whatever tickets you guys want. Um, I also have to give a big shout out to uh, Visual Concepts. They do all my banner work. They do all my shirts. They, you know, they've done uh, so much. They help me There's with so much awesome stuff. some awesome shirts like, too. Yeah, every time, and every time we do something new, you know, so every shirt, it's a new shirt um, that, you know, that we do. So it's awesome. And Noah, who actually runs the company, he's, he's awesome. I mean, he's, you know, he, him and his team, you know, they're, they're, you know, I mean, you've probably seen the shirts. They're awesome. See a green everywhere. Um, everybody loves them. I love them. So, um, definitely a big shout out to them. Um, and, uh, then proper wellness. They're one of my newest sponsors, but, uh, proper wellness. I mean, they've been awesome. Uh, they, they hooked me up with all the CBD products that I, uh, that I need for recovering stuff. And, uh, and then also, uh, Redwood Coast, uh, hemp water, which is a CBD water thing that they're doing. It's, uh, hashtag Humboldt known. Um, and they've been awesome. They've been with me since the beginning. So definitely a shout out to them. Um, and uh, and really, I mean, it's just thanks to everybody. You know, Humboldt County, everybody that's been supporting me, um, you guys, and just everybody. You know, everybody. Um, I'm here because of all you guys. So I'm I'm definitely grateful. No, definitely. Where can the fans find you on social media, man? Uh, so you can find me. You know, Facebook. Just type in Castell C A S S Lindell B E L L. And then uh, on Instagram, it's uh, Castell MMA, so C-A-S-S-B-E-L-L, and then MMA. Um, and then Twitter's the same thing, Castell MMA. Um, and I think that's all my social 
social stuff that I'm on right now. I'm not really on Twitter, but I started once it started blowing up. I'm like, well, I better figure out this Twitter <laughs> stuff. So now I'm back on it. No, definitely. There you guys have it. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Cass. We can't wait to continue watching your journey, man, and see you grow within Bellator. Can't wait to see that Bellator Bantamweight strap around your waist in the coming years, man. Uh, we will have you on very, very soon when they hit for your next fight announced, and we'll keep this ball going. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me, too. No problems, awesome. brother. Have a good day. What's up, guys? Hubert Burns right here, and you're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, guys, that is the end of episode 42. I'd like to thank all three of our guests, Steven Peterson, Kyle Nelson, and Cass Bell. Uh, obviously, the two guys who were fighting this weekend in Mexico City, we appreciate you guys doing it from another country. Wally Wall, as always, my man from the other side of the world, I appreciate you coming by and helping me out every single week as we continue to progress this show. Uh, some amazing and exciting news. Uh, MMA Records Radio will be covering Bellator 228 next week. Super excited for the Featherweight Grand Prix. Can't wait to see the second half of the first round. Juan Archuleta is taking on Pitbull. And arguably, that is the number one contender versus the champion in that division. So it's unlike any other 16-man tournament where number one is fighting number 16. No, no, no. They put the best matchups possible out there, and then we'll see what the second round looks like from here. Wally Wall, how you been, man? How's everything back home in France? Everything is good, you know. It's not, it's not such, a, such thing as France as being my home. My home is in Algeria. You know that. <laughs> how excited are you for this next card? We have Jared Candonier taking on Ian Heinisch. Yeah, this is a great card. Like this fight, like I feel that uh, we talk about, we talked a lot about those two fighters, me and you. Like we said that those two are like the underdogs, let's say in this in this division. Yeah, definitely Jared Cannonier too. You you could definitely put him in there with the likes of an Israel Adesanya and Apollo Costa, and I think he would be able to hold his own. Yeah, the man destroyed Anderson Silva. Yeah, Anderson's still looking for his knee. Yeah, like, I like that. Like, he didn't respect him at all. <laughs> like, he went for the kill. No, definitely, man. Super excited. Also, Gilbert Burns is taking on your man, Gunnar Nielsen. Man, how excited are you about that fight? Oh, this is a great fight, you know. Gunnar Nielsen training at SBG with McGregor. Like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of all those SBG guys. But, you know, you have big fights ahead of him. The Big most fighter. exciting fight for me is Lando Venato taking on Mark DeCasey. Those two are going to be fireworks. Neither one of those two gentlemen put on a boring fight, so definitely looking forward to that. I can't wait for this weekend's main event, though. Yair Rodriguez is something special. Yeah, fireworks, brother. Fireworks. All right, guys, as always, you can listen to this episode and every other on iTunes, Google Play, Speaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts at. Until next time, knuckleheads, this is MMA Wreckage Radio. Peace.